A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, I'm John McEnroe. I'm Bjorn Borg. This is Martina Navratilova. I'm Mats Wilander. I'm Stan Wawrinka. I'm Leighton Hewitt. I'm Andy Murray. And you're listening to The Tennis Podcast. Welcome to Catherine's Back Garden. That's where we're recording this week's tennis podcast. And we've just spent the last three minutes uh, revealing our football fandom woes. Because uh, Matt's team has just lost nil 4 at the weekend, so he's looking forward to next season. Catherine's team just about escaped relegation by the skin of the teeth. And my team are in the playoffs, and they ain't going up. So anyway, let's talk about tennis, because that's what's better on the tennis podcast, isn't it, really? Uh, I'm David Law. Matt Roberts is here. Catherine Whittaker's here. We've got loads to talk about it was yesterday the Madrid men's singles final and uh, it was pretty routine in the end wasn't it as a final goes compared I think to to what we probably expected it to be because I mean all the way through the tournament there'd been all sorts of drama and epics yeah it was a brilliant week I think it's one of the the best um, Masters 1000 weeks that I can remember in in recent years I think the first time this year we've had four top 10 players in uh, in a semi-final and so yeah I just sort of assumed the final would be some kind of epic and it was a bit of a letdown because um, it was just a ruthless merciless performance from the world number one I mean it was it, it was a it was a tactical masterclass which I find very interesting given his main coach Marion Vida wasn't in tow last week in Madrid um, it, a real tactical masterclass from, from Djokovic and just I mean <laughs> Stefanos Tsitsipas or Stefanos Tsitsipas I'm really trying to retrain myself because everyone's now making the point are they? it's Stefanos Tsitsipas mm. oh I didn't yeah. know that someone has to reach the top 10 before you really get in trouble for, for pronouncing their name wrong I, I, do you know, I spent Greg Rzezki is earnestly carrying on with Shapovalov, <laughs> but when he reaches the top ten, he'll uh, he'll have to readjust. Yeah. I, I spent Ooh. nine years yeah. calling Thomas Burdick the wrong name. So. I, people are still doing that, though, aren't they? What is the right name? It is Burdick. Yeah, Burdick. But then, Burdick. yeah, but this rabbit hole is problematic because you always end up at Shafar Shafar, don't you? Which is technically how you're supposed to say uh, Lucy Safarova's name <laughs> yes uh, I, I think uh, Thomas Burditch I tried to sell to the nation for about 10 years and nobody <laughs> seemed to go with that but uh, <laughs> there we are uh, so uh, in terms of the actual tennis and not just the names incidentally they're still calling him Djokovic aren't they 
I mean... But is that... I don't think that's a pronunciation thing. I just think that's a, an American's thing. Yeah. Jim Curry is still not speaking to me about that because uh, I argued with him about it about six years ago. Anyway. Um, so the, the, the week itself, um, I, I just find it so interesting. We'll start with the men's tournament because that's where we, we've begun the, 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 the conversation. I just find it really interesting the way that Djokovic is just now surfacing after really four very, very quiet months by his standard. Substandard by his standard yeah I mean he'd done more holidaying than he had winning over the past few months since since the Australian Open took that 44 day um, break before rocking up in Indian Wells and and then said after losing early to Colshiber in Indian Wells that that, that he regretted um, those preparations or certainly that he wouldn't prepare that way for uh, for that period in the season again and then proceeded to go on another holiday to the Dominican Republic I think I mean all sounds great I would do it (laughs) and before this tournament you know in the prime video studio we were all making a a big joke of how Djokovic has been taking too many holidays and um, now he's sort of three holidays one Grand Slam and one Masters series and those are those are great numbers <laughs> living his best life it's the perfect year isn't it <laughs> yeah. yeah don't work too much yeah. but when you do make it count yeah i mean i i know you predicted Djokovic to click into gear and win this week david but did i no i didn't i did said you know? that I was said, me I s- oh oh, oh. this I, is this is why i wasn't allowed to set the agenda today <laughs> yeah. otherwise I mean, we would have started with that i, I said federer would win the tournament uh, that didn't go too well um but i did say that Djokovic would win the French Open because and I kind of thought it would happen more in Rome I thought mm. Rome would be where he made his mm. his move and started to look like himself um, it's the peaking that I find so interesting and and and, I, and that's what I want to talk to you about is is where do you think that he look he he's certainly trying in Indian Wells and Miami and all those tournaments he's trying to win them but he hasn't got the edge that he mm. has when there's a grand slam on the horizon because mm. i just think i don't think nadal's like this nadal is a different animal altogether he will he only knows one way just put the foot down and keep going until you hit a brick wall djokovic is has another another gear altogether which I think he can only find when it matters more than anything else to him. And that can only be at the slams these days. I, I think in the past it used to be at Master Series. And look, he can still win those things because he's that good. But I think he found it when he needed to win the Davis Cup six years, seven or eight years ago, whenever it was, the ATP Finals when he's needed to. But look what happened when he played Zverev in the O2. That edge was missing from him I know Zverev was brilliant but that edge wasn't there click into gear at Wimbledon last year remember that Hatchinov match mm-hmm. that I always talk about simply because that's that match the one he played against Nadal in the final of the Australian Open the one he played over the last two days that is Djokovic's level that I don't think anybody else has that kind of tennis that ability to, to beat anybody doesn't matter who they are yeah he's kind of like a distance runner just timing his charge isn't he to the finish he's been he's been comfortably watching a race ahead of him since the Australian Open and now he's thinking right I'm going to get I'm going to get my legs moving and I'm just going to pass all of you um and it was the team match for me where I kind of thought 
okay, this is Djokovic means it now. He'd had that day off, hadn't he, against Chilich when he gave him the walkover, and quite often that can yeah, almost that disrupt rhythm and to his detriment. Yeah, there was there was a time a couple of years ago where he had a quarterfinal against Nishikori and had he had a walkover, and then he came out and played Nadal, and he was really flat and mm. lost. But against team, he was just on it straight away, and all the signs, all the Djokovic signs that he's playing his best, the the defence, the defiance, the sort of just desire to make that extra ball it was all there and the focus in the tie breaks to beat team because team was you know playing really well I thought team had a great week but Djokovic is doing things now that he wasn't doing at Indian Wells Miami and Monte Carlo and you have to think that the reason he's doing it is because Ronald Garros is in 10 days or whatever he made Dominic team go go back to being team of a couple of years ago made him feel like he had to go for too much he made desperate him, we've been talking all all week and and the couple of weeks before particularly obviously when he won Barcelona about how team seems to believe that he's good enough now without having to redline his game he feels like his his 90% is good enough and he doesn't have to be at 100% throughout a match to beat the top guys well Djokovic got him feeling pretty early on although you know team did lead with a break in, in both those sets but he it always felt like he was under extreme pressure throughout it's that relentless wearing pressure that Djokovic applies to you and he made Dominic team lash out he made him feel like mm. he had to go for too much and and you know go for radical shot selections that weren't really on and that's what he that's what he does to people at their best and uh, it's what he did a little bit to to Stefanos Tsitsipas in the final but more that was just a merciless um, attrition you know he he knew that Tsitsipas had very little left in the legs and he just manoeuvred him side to side and then teed off on the the backhand down the line and it was it was a masterclass stops them playing their game doesn't he 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 puts the ball so deep so regularly on to the sidelines they don't really have a chance to do what they want to do and I think they, they end up being really frustrated by it and that's when the team thrashing comes out you know when he just thinks right well I've got to tee off and go for stuff that you know you might be able to pull it off for a little while but chances of doing it over a long period are fewer and, yeah. and he's the best at playing the game he wants to play he makes the others adapt to him doesn't he so you you rarely have to see Djokovic start teeing off and playing a load of shots that he's not comfortable with because he's the one setting the tempo and cre- and sort of dictating. Um, and a great quote from Sitspas after the match. He said that he said that Djokovic has got the best backhand he's ever seen by a human being. <laughs> I want to know what animals have got better backhands. Have than you Djokovic. not have you not seen Godzilla's backhand? <laughs> it's an amazing. Um, yeah, I mean, Sitsipas, a little bit like uh, after the Australian Open defeat to Nadal, which of course he avenged in the uh, Madrid semi-finals, which I'm sure we'll come on to talk about. But he looked after the Djokovic final mm-hmm. yesterday, just as he did after that Nadal. He completely shell-shocked. And I love that he goes into these matches expecting himself to win. Totally expecting himself to win. It's almost sort of... Assuming that he'll win, and yet without seeming arrogant, I don't. I, I don't know. I know that's not scientific, and I'm sure some people do find him arrogant. I personally don't. I find him charmingly like endearing. Dis- isn't it? Endearing. Dis- he's just so earnest. 
<laughs> so earnest about every, everything he does and it's it's completely unfiltered he doesn't give two hoots what anybody thinks of him and that how 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 can you not like that um but yeah i mean he was crushed he was he was crushed i think it was that same feeling of oh my goodness i wasn't even in the match mm. I, I wasn't i didn't even have a chance today i think if he'd he'd actually have been less heartbroken had it been a nail biting 7-6 in the third loss um that he just looked like he'd been steamrolled and it just it hadn't even occurred to him that he might lose in straight sets to Djokovic. No, to, it, to, to have his game diffused like yeah. that would would not have occurred to him. And, and I mean, look, the, all the evidence for him would have been that I'm right in this and I probably will win. Because A, he'd beaten him before and it was Toronto last year, wasn't it? Again, though, that's not, that's not Djokovic yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other elements are that he'd had a really good week he'd come off winning the title in Estoril and then he'd come in he'd beaten Vadasco who's a good player on clay in front of his own fans then he goes and beats Zverev in just one of the matches that makes you so happy that you love sport you know I heard a a lot of people talking about the, the the football this week and and talking about those incredible comebacks. Football, All right, well, let's talk about teams other than ours, uh, like good teams like Liverpool <laughs> and Spurs, and those incredible rescued victories from the jaws of defeat. Why didn't I've been born in Liverpool? Well, I mean, I, I, I could go through the details of that, and and <laughs> or we like North London. Yeah, well, you weren't right. You were born in Reading. I actually wasn't born in Reading. No, well, that's who your heart is Shrewsbury wedded to. Shrewsbury Town. <laughs> Even <laughs> worse. It wasn't a particularly appealing prospect. Uh, but my, anyway. my point is that, that I've heard so many people say, imagine if you didn't like football after the week that yeah. football fans have just had yeah. to enjoy. And Poor you. And while yeah. we, were, we were watching Sitsipas against Zverev and watching these two young players, what, 21 and 20, just going at it and and also pouring the heart out at the same time because we saw some some of the things that make Zverev very watchable the way he was digging into himself and and prepared to have a little bit of a head-to-head with Tsitsipas and have a complaint and and you know and it was just glorious it was a joy to behold I enjoyed his quote afterwards saying you know I got better last week than I did this week and then I got better in the first round second round by the time it's French Open I'll be perfect yeah, I mean, there were similarities between Zverev and Djokovic this week. Obviously, Djokovic, you know, put the thrusters on and went those several stages further. But I really think that was a corner turned. And crucially, the fire in the belly uh, was back for Djokovic. Uh, for, well, I mean, it was back for Djokovic, but back for Zverev yeah. this week. It's been missing. Um, we talked a couple of weeks ago, didn't we? Touched upon what he'd told the German press about the reasons why it might have been missing. Um, all of which sound entirely understandable, but... Yeah, the fire in the belly was there. I, I his game did just it, it 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 was about the game, and the game came up short. I mm. do just wonder if he needs to add a little something. Is he? It, it, how much is it about sort of the the struggles and sort of assuming that once he puts those to one side, he he will return to his sort of the the expectation that he will win Grand Slams and more Masters series, but is Sitsabas just a better player? That was how I came out of that match feeling. Yeah, he's he's got a lot more options. I think in his mm. game, he's got more ways to beat you. Zverev, if he's 
you know, if he's really not firing from the back of the court, he gets a bit defensive and he stands like five or six, seven feet behind the baseline. You just think he's just kind of a baseliner. What's he actually doing here to win these points? Um, but I, I, I do wonder whether, I mean, nobody is picking Zverev to win the French Open. And I think maybe at the Australian Open, most people were picking Djokovic, but Zverev was kind of next, given what he'd done in... Mm. Um, in London, I do wonder whether um, for are the. You, are you throwing Zverev into the French Open mix, Matt? By saying is that, that he's. What you are by just s- doing? Don't let him get out of it by saying mix, because of course he's in what the mix. What is happening well, here? By are saying you that saying he's, he's going to win it? No, no, is what no. What you mean? No. By oh. saying that he's not in the mix, I'm tentatively predicting that he might be in the mix. Don't give him the mix as a way of getting out of putting his <laughs> well, head on the block. I wouldn't put him even in the mix. I mean, I, d- I don't think he's in the mix, but I wonder. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder whether the lack of expectation for once at a slam might help him, or whether it's just going to be another. I really feel like the draw is going to be mm. a big one because he's going to Zverev. He's he, going to be needs, outside the top four seeds, he, he, and he's going to be susceptible. Oh, there's another person on crutches. Yeah, uh, Catherine's on crutches, everybody. Just so that <laughs> now you know. All right? I feel such solidarity. I, I, I just felt this overwhelming need to go over and hug her. She's not that happy for six it, weeks. Apparently, uh, that's that's not something you're allowed to do. Um, I, I, he's going to be susceptible in those early rounds. I think so mm. the draw will be crucial. But if he wins a couple, he needs to avoid Garin. <laughs> that would doesn't, be my doesn't everybody Christian Roland Garros very yeah. draw. Who's more in the mix, Garin or Zverev? Zverev. (laughs) Zverev. What what is the mix? (laughs) (laughs) Is the mix Djokovic? It's whatever you want it to be. (laughs) Exactly, Catherine. Is Sitsipas in the mix? He's fourth. Oh, numbers. See, I like this. That's Hang on. specific. I like <laughs> We've gone that. from a vague... Okay, he's he's fourth behind Nadal, Djokovic, Federer... No, team. Oh, team. Oh, sorry. I, I mean... It just rolled off the tongue, because no. you say Nadal, Djokovic, Federer, and I instantly regretted it. Uh, he's fourth ahead of Federer. Yeah, I think so. Sitsipas, something that struck me, talking of Federer, and, and I, know, I know it's very easy to make comparisons and so forth. One thing that does strike me is is their respective builds. Now, I know Sitsipas is much taller than Federer, but when Federer was coming through 20 years ago, I always remember looking at his forearms and thinking how how weak he looked. You know, he's so skinny. And I used to think, how is this... Get in the gym, mate. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I used to think, <laughs> get in the gym, mate. Uh, how is this frame going to cope on uh, at that sort of level? And I remember speaking to Per Bastolt, the ATP trainer, and he said, the thing is, his grip we do grip tests uh, with the machine that show that he has the strongest grip on the circuit and this is when he was a teenager um and i i found that really interesting mm. and watching Sitsipas, the way i mean his back end it, it's these single handers they're a thing of beauty aren't they if they're really struck well but often they can be erratic never feel like his is going to be erratic it always feels like he's in total control of it it feels like it he it can absorb the power of his opponent. I mean, he'd got the sledgehammer two-hander coming at him from Zverev, and he was handling it. Mm. And he he also has control. He has the most beautiful flight on the backhand. The way it loops, it's got power, but it loops, and it always just dies within you know a, a couple of feet of the baseline. So he feels like he's got margin, power, control, 
spin, everything. Yeah, it? I mean, usually Nadal smells blood when he sees a single-handed backhand, doesn't he? Yes, he well, didn't. there you go. Yeah, he I mean, didn't it, even more extreme example is to, is to be able to take on Nadal, who's going to zone in on that shot, a guy who's just owned him previously. And yeah. it was it was really interesting to watch. And he and Nadal had just demolished Wawrinka, who most people would say probably has the best one-handed backhand. Uh, and he just broke it down. I mean, he broke he broke Wawrinka, all of Wawrinka down, not just his backhand. But you're never you're right. You never you never I never watch Sitsipas and think oh he's going to miss a backhand in the way that even with Federer sometimes you're almost expecting the shank. Mm. But you never expect that with Sitsipas. He's he's so solid from the baseline, and yet he can do all the other fancy stuff as well. And he's got the movement that someone like Favrinka doesn't have. Mm. I mean, he's not a bad mover, but Sitsipas looks like an Olympic athlete. Yeah, despite being for six foot four. I mean, I think sort of movement ability relative to height, mm. he's in the top percentile. I th- I think. I mean, I know you've got. I mean. There are guys a bit... I mean, I think Zverev, actually, he's 6'6", which, generally speaking, is considered a bit too tall. Um, for, to, what are you saying? To, <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think he's been the up, one of the upper percentiles as well. But Sitsipas, for 6'4", for he, he glides around the court. And, and particularly his um, longitudinal movement to the net... Mm. Um, He's lightning fast, and well, it, it is us, a joy to see him up there. Brings us on to his doubles. The fact that here he was, he reached the semi-finals in the doubles. I kind of, when you told me that he was uh, a few weeks back that he'd given that speech with Wesley Kulhoff and <laughs> and he was planning to play all these Masters One Thousand doubles events. Honestly, I just thought, yeah, right, mate. <laughs> I'll believe that when I see him. <laughs> and here he was. Going out onto the court, what time did he finish uh, on semi-finals night in the double? Or was it quarter-finals, quarter-finals. night? Quarter-finals. Yeah, 12.57am. So, so he's finished at nearly one in the morning. And, and that was after he'd played a pretty marathon singles against match against Zverev. Yeah. Mm. And then he's out to Lost play ten, Nadal. 10-5 in the Champions Star. He wanted to win that doubles mm. yeah. desperately. I mean, yeah, so he beat Nadal on the same day that he yeah. finished his doubles, but sort of 23 hours later... Um, I mean, by my experience, he was just settling into the rhythm of Madrid, really. I mean, no one... People are doing things that you wouldn't normally be doing at one o'clock in the morning in Madrid. I interviewed Andy Murray at 3.57am after a first... Well, it would have been the second round, because he got a bye. Second round victory over Philip Kohlschreiber, I think, three years ago. I bet he loves seeing you at <laughs> everyone, everyone was delighted about it. <laughs> Um, so, so then the, the same day, effectively, he comes out and he plays Rafael Nadal and beats him. And, yeah, and, and everyone assumes he's going to be physically spent, you know, mm. not have enough left in the tank, particularly against Nadal, somebody that he's lost to all three previous occasions they've played, n- never won a set, only managed to break his serve once, whereas I think Sitsipas had had his serve broken 14 times mm. in their previous meetings. And, you know, we all remember, I think... We're all three of us. Certainly, Matt and I were were both in the room for that Sitsipas press conference after the uh, Australian Open semi final, where he was at a total loss. You know, just that the figure of Sitsipas sat there searching for 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 words to try and describe how he was feeling is was really affecting, um, and 
he just I, I felt like he physically couldn't go through that again. He emotionally mm. couldn't go through... Quite a driving force, isn't it? Yeah, losing to Nadal like that again. I certainly don't think he could have gone through feeling as hopeless against Nadal as he had done the previous three times. He he had to get a bit closer. I'm getting so, closer. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the impressions are coming out. Awesome. <laughs> um, the, the doubles element, generally, we've suddenly seen an absolute raft of players, both in Madrid and in Rome, playing doubles... It's happening. This, it does feel like there is a shift here. I don't know whether that statistically we can. Yeah, prove um, that. Was, Sam Smith was uh, with us in the in the Prime Video studio yesterday, and she said that she made the point that tennis players are like sheep, and they tend to just copy <laughs> yeah. what the top guys are doing. You know, in particular for the last ten to fifteen years, Roger Federer, who hasn't played a a whole lot of doubles. I know he's an Olympic doubles champion with Stan Wawrinka and I'm sure he could be world doubles number one if he fancied it, but basically doesn't play doubles. And uh, so pretty difficult to think, well, you know, I can do something that that Roger Federer can't. But but now... Sitsipas is a game changer. It's coming back into fashion, isn't it? Shapovalov is playing... He's been playing alongside Raham Bapan. You know, they're they're teaming up with, with doubles specialists... Um, and I think that's working because some of them have needed the singles ranking um, to, to to help them gain entry because mm. you do it on combined ranking, don't you, to, to gain entry into certainly into the Masters events, which can be incredibly competitive, the ones with the smaller draws. Um, yeah, Shapovalov's been doing it. Zverev, of course, playing with his brother. That's sort of a natural in. Dominic Team reached yeah. the final in Madrid with Diego Schwartzman. They're one of my new favourite pairings. <laughs> awesome. But I do wonder how sustainable it is, though, because, I mean, it's great. I love seeing them play doubles, but do we not think that the amount of tennis Sitsipas played this week in the end had a detriment effect, you know, a, a detrimental effect on him in the final? Boo. He was running on fumes in the final, he, but... <laughs> I mean, Djokovic said it himself. You know, I, I, I basically sensed that he was tired, take his legs away. Um, I mean, I think... Is might... that playing doubles or is that playing as much tennis as he's been playing? You know, his schedule-wise, yeah, he's been playing help. week in, week out. I think if he plays fewer events, I think... Which is more important, play less doubles or fewer events? Well, he says that the doubles is helping his singles Good grammar game. there, David. <laughs> well done. With his, in terms of... His, certainly his net game he says as much as it's just actually improving the technique on the volley just having the confidence to come to the net which when you're confident to come to the net that almost improves your ground strokes as well because you're hitting them with kind of forward momentum um, I, I think it's going to be good for Dominic team as well because probably the one area that he is lacking a bit is, is feel mm. um, so I, th- I think that'd be that'd be good for I, I'm I think it's brilliant I think if you can manage your schedule there is a way to incorporate a decent amount of doubles and and he couldn't do it at the slams could he and and I think uh, at least I don't think he will actually I think he could try but he said he's not doing it at the slams in answer to your your can't he play mixed with Maria Sakari well that'd be good in answer to your question it was it not a factor in that final I think it might have been but I also think it might end up giving him a better chance when he's not playing doubles at slams to win them because of all the additional skills that he will have added to his game. Yeah, and kind of and the fact that he 
he's he's almost playing as much tennis in a week in a Masters series if he goes deep in both events than you have to to win a slam with five sets and everything. He's he's building fitness as well. Yeah, um, I think I think net wise, it's overall really good. Mm. I think possibly every now and then it will lead to him losing matches that if he had slightly fresher legs or a bit more sleep, he would have won and possibly i mean i i don't think even if he did have more in the legs he would have beaten Djokovic yesterday but you yeah. know who it would have been it would have been more of a contest be great but to 20 net wise <laughs> overall he is a better player for the doubles that he plays what's it like being 20 man is it good i don't know yeah. a few years ago a few years ago right, yeah okay. um, but the thing is i mean i cannot i cannot stress how amazing that performance against nadal was from sitsipas i mean yeah. honestly i think that was I think that was better than his performance to beat Federer in Melbourne. I agree. I mean, given the background of the fact that he was so confused and shell-shocked and just dazed about how even to play Nadal, let alone beat him. And then he's done it on clay. I mean, extraordinary performance from Tsitsipas. And not just the tennis, but as you said, the movement. I didn't think he could move like that. Mm. And, and on the clay court as well. So Nadal, no, Nadal's all right, isn't he? No, no worries about Nadal? Well, I think Nadal still has a few worries about Nadal. So he does like a whinge, though, doesn't he? <laughs> I mean, I, well, I love Nadal, but he, do, you know, he is a bit of a glasses half empty bloke in the press conferences, isn't he? Although I thought it was interesting after the Sitsipas where he said this was about my level tonight. Like he said, if I was playing my best, I would have won that, which is yeah. kind of an unlike unlike Nadal yeah. to say something. And Sitsipas like kind of agreed with him, mm, you did, didn't yeah. he? He said he actually found it easier <laughs> to play Nadal on clay yeah. this time. He said that it wasn't the, the ball didn't quite feel the same as it felt in the, that Australian Open semi-final. Had a but, bit more time. Yeah, exactly. He felt he had a, a bit more time, which of course clay does give you. But equally, you wouldn't be feeling that about, about Nadal at his very best, no. would you? Um, so I, I don't know. I'm still not quite hitting the panic button because there were. There were reasons to be cheerful for, for Nadal fans, not least that Vavrinka performance, which was, I mean, it, it wasn't a match. No, I've, I've been left confused by this week because after the Wawrinka performance, I thought, how have I even allowed it to enter my mind that Nadal yeah, is not foolish. the French Open favourite? <laughs> of course he is. He can play like this on clay. No one's beating him. And then he went and lost his next match. And I thought, oh. Yeah. And then Djokovic won the tournament. And I thought, oh, OK, maybe he's the French Open favourite. But... I do think I'm confused. Rome's big, isn't it? Mm. Rome's yeah. big for Nadal. I mean, Nadal, the one year he played Roland Garros without winning any tournament in the European clay court swing was 2015. And he that was got the final loss. Yeah. Ooh. So interesting. Mm. Rome is coming, folks. And Roger Federer is going to be there. He's here. He, right, yeah, it starts today he, as we speak. It's he did on. a very perky uh, Instagram. He's message. weighed in on social media to announce his. Um, yeah. Going against his using social media as a platform to say things <laughs> <laughs> strategy. <laughs> maybe maybe that, maybe that was somebody knocking on his door and, and yeah. with, with a phone yeah. in his face saying, "Roger, are you playing Rome?" Well, I just wanted to let you know that. Um, so anyway, yeah, Roger Federer is in Rome. He he looked pretty good, didn't he? I mean, he, he was beating Tom, Dominic Team, um, and uh, then it turned around. I mean, Team showed again that he doesn't panic most of the time unless he's playing Djokovic well yeah I mean so he was I think that that does show just how, why 
when they're all at their best, Djokovic is the best, mm. really, yeah. because he he can take it out of their hands. Um, yeah, and he stops them playing. He stops them being mm. themselves. Uh, He's the neutralizer. Yeah, it's very which isn't a sexy nickname. But <laughs> no, but it's... if it if it gets you three holidays, a Grand Slam title, and a <laughs> and a Masters in the space of four months, then good luck yeah. to him. Neutralizer law. <laughs> That's me. Next week, <laughs> you've taken four holidays like in your life, Davis. <laughs> I mean, it is cool to see Federer playing on clay again. I thought, yeah. I thought that we would see him playing on clay again for a kind of farewell tour. But he's pretty serious about this. I mean, he was yeah, peeved maybe, to lose the team. Maybe from something that. beautiful can happen. <laughs> Do you know? I, I actually think he is playing a bit on clay right now because it's kind of a farewell tour. Do you? Oh, really? Yeah, I do. I do. Uh, and that's not to say I think he won't play another year. I think he okay, will. Okay, but you think this could be I his th- last th- well, go he, at clay? Look, he ain't playing clay next year, I don't think, because of the Olympics. Mm. I, yeah. I think there's no chance he plays clay next year because he is all about winning that Olympic singles gold. You know, he's changed his... By all accounts, that's that's what drove the, the Uniqlo deal, mm. the, the Olympics in, in Tokyo. Um, I think he's feeling good and he's thought, you know, I really want to play Rome. I miss it. I want to play and I'm going to play. But the, And the thing is, Madrid is the... Because I might not have any more chances. I really do. And Madrid is the clay court event with with the least similarity to Roland Garros. So it, mm. it's, it's almost the event where it is hardest to draw these conclusions. And I don't think Federer can play as he did in the against team. I don't think he can play like that in Rome... And in Roland Garros, where it's so much slower, um, he's doing a he turned lot into a hard court volley. match. Yeah. So much serve volley, possibly even overplayed it a little against mm. team because he he was seeing it coming. I think he broke. There were a couple of crucial points where team picked him off on the return um, and made Federer look sort of stranded up at mm. up at the net, which you, you don't often see. Yeah, it will be interesting to see how he how he tackles Rome. Well, we'll tell you all about that in next week's tennis podcast. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello, Tennis Podcast listeners. David here. Now, you might know that I love a bit of cooking, and I think I'm quite good at it. But if I'm honest, even I get fed up trying to work out what to do every night. That's where Home Chef comes in being able to put together a delicious meal without the long prep and the cook times, well, that's pretty cool. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. They have over 30 options a week and serve a variety of dietary needs so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. 
Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. Now, for a limited time, Home Chef is offering Tennis Podcast listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and, of course, free shipping on your very first box. Go to homechef.com slash tennis. That's homechef.com slash tennis for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard it right. So, the women's draw. Kiki Burton's the champion. I love that. Don't you? The uh, champion without dropping a set. Was she, is that right? Mm. Yeah. Like first, first woman ever to win Madrid without dropping a set. Wow, I, I missed that stat. Um, and she beat... It's just a Chinook, David, just yeah. a casual Chinook. I think somebody heard me saying it might be Roger Federer's last year. <laughs> I'm going to be taken away. <laughs> right. Uh, and she beat four Grand Slam champions. Yeah. So, reel them off. Who did she beat? Ostapenko. Yeah. Remember when she won a Grand Slam? <laughs> that, was two, that was two years ago, wasn't it? Yeah. Ostapenko won the Feels French. like longer. Sloane Stevens, Petra Kvitova and Simona Halep. Wow. And I think Sevastova was in there as well. That is some run from Kiki Burton's, who, who, I don't know, I don't know a person that wasn't just delighted. I mean, even Simone Halep looked quite (laughs) pleased about it. I mean, she high-fived her on the way to picking up the trophy. (laughs) Yeah, it was really nice, wasn't it? I kept on, I was just kind of assuming that Simone Halep would come back in that second set and at Mm. least take it to a decider. And of course, if it had, then... Hallett would have been the favourite um, I saw a, um, a tweet from uh, Chris Clary of the New York Times um, saying that a few years ago he was chatting to a Dutch journalist and uh, he asked them whether um, the Netherlands had any tennis prospects and they said oh well uh, on the women's side there's there's this one girl but I'm not sure she's got the head for it Yeah, which I found really interesting because that's her biggest asset, her head. I mean, let's be honest, her her technique, her 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 shot making is not it's it's unorthodox, isn't it? It's not, you know, we we were sat there prepping for um our men's matches on Saturday, watching that women's final and there was all sorts of analysis of Kiki Burton's service motion going on and it's you you'd never teach it. It's not <laughs> it's not that pretty. Um, and certainly her her shot production. I mean, boy, is it effective! But it, it, she's a maximizer, as Greg would but say, an absolute maximizer. She is hardworking. She is she's rinsing her talent, she, you know, and, and, it, and that's that's mental. That's mental talent. And, and so I'm surprised that I know she's quite emotional on the court, but that's it's not a weakness. But no, I, th- I think it's a strength. Yeah, most but, of the time. But I think all that is quite new as well. I was listening to the. Um, WTA Insider podcast with Kiki Burton's and oh, you traitor. He's <laughs> just getting in. Simon Briggs has cheated on us as well. Yeah, <laughs> he's just. She's just getting. Least, I mean, I wasn't on the WTA Insider he podcast. Was, he was. Courtney does a superb job. So it, what, it is a good. Podcast, so what Matt's yeah. doing is he's, he's gleaning all the info so we can give it to you. Mm. you and see? Kiki Burton said she used to think a good season was like having a good performance in a slam, and like that was kind of. That was kind of it, you know. She she'd done what she set out to do for that season, but now she's much more ambitious. That's the difference to me. Is I think, whereas you said her head, I think the biggest thing holding her back was her own sense of self worth. I don't. Well, she almost quit tennis two mm. yeah. two years. Ago. I don't think she rated herself particularly highly. I don't think she. 
backed herself to be a champion really I think she thought she's a good player but I think she held herself back and it's when you say rinsed the the talent out of herself I, I mean I obviously she is doing that but in order to do that she's had to completely lay a new framework of ambition and expectation for herself I don't know how big a factor Raymond Slaughter would be in that her, her coach I mean I know him as a person I think he's just a such a a perfect fit as a, as got a, a lovely dynamic yeah and, and he I could imagine him just being able to explain to her you 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 don't believe in yourself enough and you need to because he knows that he had a limit as a tennis player when he was on the tour and he I would s- suspect he'd be able to give her a, a, a keener sense of what she's capable of and my goodness she's right up there i mean she's a proper clay court player mm. she's in the mix matt she, she's definitely in the give mix give me a number two oh goodness me i wasn't I'm, expecting I'm that i'm regretting really? that immediately Do you know when you put kiki into um google google that it doesn't even auto complete with the, with the suggestion who of does it suggest to you d kiki d who's that don't don't go breaking my heart I won't. Um, the um, have you said that about? You don't know who Kiki D is. Well, I do now. She's more <laughs> your generation than my generation. Am I forgiven for not knowing who she is? Yeah, Matt's all right. David, yeah, musical you should taste know. and not just about age. No, it's not taste. It's not. It's not. It's, not, it's just clearly it is. <laughs> I didn't say I liked Kiki D. I'm not a closet Kiki D fan. Well, I mean, well, I mean, if we were in the Putney Exchange, we could do a little straw poll and see how many people have heard of Kiki Burton's. We're only around the corner. Yeah, Should given we? that this is a Tennessee part of the world. I don't think... No. I, 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 I mean, I put this on Twitter. I don't think... If, you've, if you're not really interested in tennis, I think there's zero chance that you've heard of Kiki Burton's. Yeah, there will be casual tennis fans that have not heard of Kiki Burton's. And I honestly think she's... Yeah, I mean, okay, I've said two and immediately regretted that, but I think she's oh, very... Hang on. She's very what would much, your revised number be? I mean, I don't have a revised number, but the look you, you started, both gave me when I said two made me regret. Thing. You started the mix, Matt. I mean, you better start working out your mix parameters. Three. Well, who would you put above Kiki Burton? Samantha Hallett, I for would, me, would still I'd be above. still put Hallett. Sloane Stevens. I mean, Burton's brushed Sloane Stevens did, aside. Yeah. yeah, but if Stevens is on a game... I would, I would put... Mm. Stevens At the French ahead. Open. Remember what she was like last year? For sure, yeah. Okay, so... Three is I mean, her? I know she beat her. Beat but her as well. Yeah, but this is Madrid. I mean, how yeah. I, I've just said that we can't draw conclusions yeah. from Madrid, and well, I am. But um. uh, look, she's in the mix. <laughs> 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 right. um, to conclude, so yeah, and and actually, I still come back to that the the fact that Madrid doesn't feel like the barometer that you can really trust um maybe it'll end up being that but it's so different it couldn't be more different as a clay court mm. event really at altitude on a, a sort of a feeling of an indoor arena to the french open it's so different and just a shout out to kiki burton's for hitting the best worst shot of all time did you see it in the final no where she, she had a smash on top of the net and she she hit it so badly that it actually hit Halep at the back of the court <laughs> and therefore Kiki Burton's won the point <laughs> oh gosh yeah Halep tried to get out of the way of it but it hit her yes full on 
and that gave the point to Kiki Burton's. It was tremendous. And she still high fived her yeah. on the way to That's get the trophy. <laughs> she just completely shanked it, and it went flew long, but hit Halep. Oh. <laughs> and I'd love to do one of those. Someone on someone on Twitter was like, you know, when you're when you're learning the rules as an umpire, that is a rule that you know about, but never think <laughs> you will have to actually implement. That's just reminded me that you probably mentioned the Gelmorfis shot of the because it might be better than the Pablo Cuevas shot that you live commentated from YouTube last week, David. Uh, could you, you describe you um, Monfils's shot? I haven't, I've heard about it, but I... I, I I'm not sure it can be I'm described. I'm not sure it can be described. Yes, Just can. check it out. He, the ball goes over his head and he leaps in the... like takes both feet off the ground facing the wrong way and <laughs> smacks it back sort of with his wrist, just snaps his wrist back and fires it down the line for a winner. It was like the Pablo Cuevas one, except his feet weren't on the ground. Mm. Oh my goodness! It was <laughs> it was ridi- I, ridiculous. Um, can we stop the podcast? I need to go and have a look. Um, okay, uh, I'll, I'll look at it after the show. Um, any other takeaways from the women's tournament in Madrid specifically? Did anybody catch your eye who maybe weren't expecting to see? do big things at this stage of the season or did anybody underperform? Belinda Bencic has kind of impressed me all season but I didn't have particularly high expectations for her on clay and she, did didn't, she. she didn't either um, but she found a level against Halep which was extraordinary Halep was just playing such a high level and I thought, I mean that's a level that you might be able to touch for a few games for someone else but Bengtschik did it for a whole set and took that second set off Halep. She also beat Naomi Osaka 7-5 in the third. I They've think. got mm. a nice little rivalry, those mm. two, haven't Which they? Which is winning at the yeah. moment. Um, but still, I think, reasonably positive for Osaka. Um, yeah, I feel like there's a result you're missing, Matt. Oh. Yeah, there was, there was a result that caught my eye. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, regular followers of the Tennis Podcast <laughs> will know that this is the year that we got introduced to a player called Victoria Kosmova at the start of the year when Matt decided to put her in the quarterfinals of the Australian Open in his predictions. That didn't quite materialise. She's a left-handed Anna Ivanovic. Yep. Uh, right uh, right-handed right-handed Petra Kvitova. And a right- <laughs> <laughs> She's not even left-handed. She's definitely not left-handed. <laughs> Fantastic. I only saw her in the flesh for the first time this week, Matt. Yeah. Um, so, uh, hold on a minute. She did it, uh, again, to, to quote the WTA insider, Courtney Nguyen, great interview on, on the WTA website that you should go and check out. With, with, uh, with, uh, with the next big, th- big thing. Yeah, Victoria Kudmova. And, I mean, basically, Matt's got about five copies of it with him. Um, <laughs> but, um, yeah, she has made some strides. However, there was one particular moment that slightly under-delivered this week. There was a blip. <laughs> I mean, you need you need 12 games to win a tennis match, minimum. Because Mother won 12 points against Halep. Oh dear. Six love, Not six in a row. love. And she didn't win any games? No games. Um, Character building, Matt. Have yeah. either of you ever lost six love, six love? Yes. Yes. Several times. Yeah. I, it didn't build any character, to be honest. It Do just you know, made me want to quit. Do you know, I lost... Have you ever been triple bageled? No. I got triple bageled once by Carlos Bernardes. Unfair. <laughs> <laughs> I love that you carried on after two six love sets. You agreed to 
I'd have said, yeah, should we make it best of three, mate? Yeah. I mean, yeah. Of, all, of all the names that could have come out of your mouth there, Carlos Bernardes was literally last on my list of possibilities. Carlos Bernardes is still thinking about it every day. It was in Mallorca, 2000. We were playing inside the Bullring oh, you Stadium. Were, you were, you were in your physical prime then. Not a whole lot to write down about that, um, but I mean, it was one of those. It's one of those courts where every time you hit the ball, it sort of reverberates around the, the arena. Incredible acoustics in there. So even when you hit a shot that hits the back fence, it sounds amazing, right? That happened quite a few times. Um, but it was his surface; it was clay. So I'm quite sure that if I got him onto the artificial grass of the Henley and Arden tennis club, where I and myself and Solihull it's, Simon, it's, it's going to take quite a big swing. <laughs> yes. it, what's Kuzmova's best surface? Hardcore. Hardcore. Oh, sure. yeah. which, oh de- I mean, definitely. Yeah. Right. right. So, so come, come late July, it's it's all happening. Kuzmova rising. The other really <laughs> annoying thing about Carlos Bernardes is the number of times I called his shots out. And he he challenged them from the far end because he's an umpire, and he got every one of them right. I mean, you had Hawkeye. <laughs> Two thousand. No, he came around the net and he checked them off. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I genuinely was because I've hardly played any clay court tennis. I realised I cannot tell whether the ball is in or out. I, when it would land, I couldn't tell. And and he would come around and be and I'd be convinced. It's out, and he'd come around and be like, no, no, look, there's a bit touching. What's his game style? He's a baseliner, doesn't move a lot, but my God, he made me move. (laughs) (laughs) And I don't move particularly well, as you know. So, (laughs) uh, there we are, there's my Carlos Bernardo's tale. Um, uh, Doubles results from Madrid. We had a title for... Roger and Takao. Roger and Takao over Team and Schwartzman in the men's doubles final and in the women's... Takao forgot to um, thank his partner in the speech. Oh. oh. It's he's, catching. He's, he's done a pass. Becoming a thing. And he also cast a bit of shade on uh, Team and Schwartzman. Oh, excellent. He sort of said... Uh, well, I don't know if it was deliberate, but he sort of said... Um, Dominic, Diego, um, I know this is just a bit of fun for you playing doubles, but, oh. but if you uh, if you played a bit more of it, you could be a really good team. Oh, wow. Brilliant. Um, and the women's doubles final was won by, oh, what a partnership this is, Shea Suwei and Barbara Stritzova. Yeah. I mean, I wish I'd seen that. 6-3-6-1 over Dubrovsky and Zhu. 6-3-6-1. So they're the champions. Well done, Shea and Stritzova. I did see their little message on Twitter, sort of thanking the fans that they'd won. They sort of were hiding behind flowers, and then they sort of revealed their very happy faces. Um, I get the feeling that that's Sue Wei Shea driven. They were aware that the match is broadcast live on the telly (laughs) and, you know, live scoring and everything. It probably wasn't a surprise to most people. (laughs) Shea Sue is still without sponsorship, by the way, so... Get in there, folks. And also sponsor us. us. Could we sponsor her? Well... Well, You know, get your coins out. Yeah, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Right, so wouldn't that be interesting? I wonder whether she can accept our highest offer. (laughs) Well, let's find out. Yeah. We better discuss what that is. <laughs> right, right, okay. Um, so, just for a match, we get to play one French Open match. Yeah, how much for a match, Shay? Is what we want. Just to know. a patch, yeah. not even mm. a full outfit. 
Who's going to design? Okay. We need to get a patch. How do you do patches? <laughs> to draw one. <laughs> Okay. Right. Okay. This we might need to come up with a better proposal. <laughs> yeah, David Law will draw on your top for you. <laughs> this isn't going to go well, is it? Uh, but anyway, this has been the tennis podcast. This is hey, what you're listening hey. to for what? David Ferrer. David Ferrer. Oh yeah. Just quickly. I, I forgot oh, David, David Ferrer last week. Made everybody cry. Yeah. Oh, yeah at length. Yeah. It was a lengthy goodbye. Yeah. In fact, he made me miss the winning goal in the Spurs game. Did he? Yeah, because I was watching his retirement and I missed the moment of drama in Spurs. Okay. For, was, all for um, David Ferrer. It was all. It was very beautiful and poignant. And he was presented with a, a very big photo of himself uh, by Feliciano Lopez's bare chest. <laughs> yes, I mean, that did happen. Uh, so, what a career, though, David yeah. Ferrer. How, how will you remember David Ferrer as a player? Uh, oh, a moment or a... I don't know. What sticks out? Well, he almost quit to do roofing or something, didn't he? He worked on a construction site. Yes. Apparently, his old coach used to, to lock him in a cupboard and only yes. feed him um, bread and milk. <laughs> the um, story gathers legs every time you hear it. <laughs> Three weeks he was there. No. Um, and and he, he thought it was too much like hard work, so he went to work on a construction site turned out that was quite hard work and um went back to the cupboard yeah i i I looked at the top 10 in 2003 the end of 2003 this is what matt does in his spare time Mm, it literally is (laughs) and the average height in 2003 which was kind of Ferrer's first season on tour the average height well five of the top 10 were under six foot and now only one of the top ten is under six foot, Kane Shikori, and six of the top eleven are six foot four or above. So this is I'll your still, time, I've David. Still got a chance. But Ferrer has actually said himself he thinks that people his height under six foot will become extinct in men's tennis. Extinct. <laughs> so, which is a bit, which is a bit strong. But you know that shift. He's lived through that shift. You know wow. the, the numbers bear that out. But what what will never become extinct is the attitude of David Ferrer uh, I, I mean, and I, I the way that he... It's not good news for Dan Evans, that, is it? His, his approach. Dan's doing just fine. He's qualified for Rome. <laughs> Beat Lajovic. Yeah, yeah, it's good, that. Um, I tell you, the, I think one of the things that sticks out for me is just what Leon Smith once said to me. He said, this is the bloke I want to bring our juniors to watch, above all others, in terms of attitude and just how to carry yourselves. Mm. And I love that he's got no... Um, chip on his shoulder or feeling of being hard done by about the generation that he's had to compete in he said they made me a better mm. yeah. better player I wouldn't have achieved what I did achieve had I not been in this era and my, and my, one of my other memories of him was just, just how humble he is Could have, I remember that um, ATP Tour did some interviews with the players at the World Tour Finals I think maybe in its first year in London or second year and they said to all the players who do you think is going to win this tournament and Thomas Burdick says, oh, I think I'm going to win. And Djokovic says, I think I'm going to win. And David Ferrer says, Nadal or Federer. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Radio, uh, that's David Ferrer. Great career. And uh, we will wish him the very best in retirement. The sound of one of my crutches falling to the floor. Yes, Catherine's doing away with the crutches oh, this dear. week. Big week, folks. Uh, here on the Tennis Podcast, brought to you in association with The Telegraph, executive produced by TennisBalls.com, and our mascot, Rio with a Y. We will be back with another one of these shows uh, after Rome, which is just 
and ongoing as we speak. So we'll be back after that next week. Thanks for listening. We'll speak to you soon. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.